Well, I want to welcome you here this morning and uh, hope all of you had a blessed week. I know that uh, finally we got some rain at our house. I hope y'all did. And uh, even the grass was smiling and all that. So now I've got to go mow. But uh, I know we needed that rain, and I hope, like I said, I hope all of you got the rains. Uh, I was talking to uh, Betty Luna this week, and uh, she is doing a lot better. She's still got a number of issues going on with her. When she had this uh, last knee replacement done, they had to put her on life support. They almost lost her. And she has got a number of issues, but eat, but she says daily they're getting better. And she said, Bill, y'all keep tell the church please to keep me in prayer because I'm not giving up and I know God's not giving up and I miss everybody there and I am planning on getting back just as soon as I can. And uh, I told her, well, I'll be sure and, and let y'all know how she's doing. She's got some blood issues that sometimes they thought she was losing blood and they couldn't find where she was losing the blood. They've given her medicine to boost her blood count back up and, and just a number of things going on in her body. And Betty has got uh, this, uh, it's kind of a, her immune system is not the greatest. And she can get around a lot of stuff, and she really has to be careful. So she is really watching, staying in the house and everything, and not getting out in public to uh, maybe get around somebody that, that, that's got this, you know, corona. So, but anyway, y'all keep her in prayer. But she said, be sure and tell every one of you she misses y'all so much. And uh, she will be back. And uh, y'all keep Annie, that's Betty's uh, mom in prayer. She's been in the hospital. As a matter of fact, they thought that they'd lost her. But they was able to, uh, you know, get her back. And I can't find out hardly, I, the family calls me, but I cannot go to the hospitals. They will not let me in. Uh, no visitors or anything. I guess they're trying to protect patients, at least that's what they're saying, you know, from this corona because they don't know who's got water, who they've been around, and some of the people in the hospital, they have to try to protect them from even family members. A lot of times only maybe one family member in a 24-hour period can go see that patient. And it's just been, it's been really hard on the family. We know that with Harold, that uh, we could not, finally, when they was going take to take, take him off the ventilator, they let everybody come in and see him. And uh, so we still got a number of issues going on out there, but I honestly, I'll be honest with you, I miss going to the hospitals. I miss being there with the people. I miss praying. For, I'm not, I'm not, don't, I, don't, I shouldn't say I miss praying for you because I, I hadn't quit praying for you. I'm still praying. But it's just, it's different than, than being there with you, anointing you with oil, holding your hand, and loving on you. It's just, it's, it's so much difference. And uh, I'm ready to get back to the hospitals. But uh, today, uh, oh, I wanted to say one thing. Uh, on Wednesday, you know, we're not doing a nightly Wednesday service right now anymore, but I come up here on Wednesday mornings and I do a message. 
it goes on Facebook. Now, we have a camera that uh, new system set up that uh, and it will go to Facebook. So if you if you get a chance, go on Facebook. A lot of times it's posted on Solid Rock Bible Church page. Just go to search if you don't have if you're not already connected to that page, and just draw it up and say search, and it'll take you to that page. And sometimes it's just on Facebook itself. You can find it. But it usually lasts about 15, 20 minutes. And uh, so, but anyway, it's a message that I put together that I come up here on Wednesday mornings and David meets me up here and I I do this message. It's it's, It's on what they call Spotify. You can either listen to it or you can watch it live on Facebook. But I didn't know how many of you knew this or not. But uh, we're getting quite a few people that is viewing this. A lot, a lot of times we'll, we'll, I'll see the post and say 40, 45 people have, have looked at it and so forth. And it even goes over to Scotland and different countries. And they say Scotland is one of the biggest audiences we got. So I'm an international pastor now. <laughs> and uh, So... Uh, Prime time, Bill, they called me. And uh, so, but anyway, I just wanted, I didn't know how many of you, I don't know if we've really ever announced that or not, but we, like I said, we did our new, get our new camera and everything in. And uh, if you don't like it, don't say a word. <laughs> but uh, uh, today, I, I wanted to bring you a message. Uh, I've entitled it, You Must Believe. And you know, this is so important. This is something that in order for us to have our walk and our relationship with God, we must believe. We must believe He is who He says He is. And that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. But God is God. And I'm going to show you some things here. And I'm sure you already know it, but I'm just going to remind you of what God says. And for us to have a relationship with God, we've got to know God. How do you have a relationship with somebody you don't know? You can't. Oh, you say, oh, I know them. But really knowing them and just know who they are or a little something about them is totally different. We need to truly know who God is. God's love, His grace, His mercy, all His forgiveness, everything that He does for us. He does it because He loves us. And we need to get, a, we need to get into a, a lot closer relationship with God because we need to pour out our love to Him. Just, just think for a minute, all the things that God has done in your life. Every single person in here has been blessed by God. Some of you have been healed from certain things. Many of you have things going on in your life that God come in and just totally took care of. Maybe a, a difficult, difficult life. And God says, you come to me and I'll change that life. God is a life-changing God. He will change your life. You will be that new creation. 
Like I said, I guess it's one of my favorite scriptures in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, anyone who is in Christ becomes a new creation. All the old things in your life have passed away. And then he said, behold or listen. Everything now has become new. You are not who you used to be. You're different. You're my child now, and I'm your father. You are a new creation in me. That's what God tells us. And you know, this you know, <clears throat> this here, have you ever thought about real faith? Do we have real faith? Oh, some people say, oh, I've got faith, but how strong, how deep is your faith? Sometimes, you know, I sometimes, and I've said it before, but sometimes I think we go through some things to show us where our faith is. How strong is our faith? Do I really have that faith in God that he requires, that he wants us to have? You know, faith in God is a faith that does not doubt. It's a faith that I know, that I know, that I know who he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Real faith is the only thing that works when what seems impossible is our problem. If you ever come up across that in your life where this is so impossible, I'll, nothing can be done. I'll never come out of this. He is the God that takes care of the impossible. He says nothing is impossible for God. Nothing. That means there is not anything that goes on that God cannot take care of. In Hebrews 16, 11, 16, it tells us, <clears throat> and, we've, and we've talked about it, and we've talked about it, it says, without faith it is impossible to please God. Why is being without faith impossible to please God? We have to believe God is who he says he is, that nothing is impossible for him. But if we don't have the faith in God to trust in him to do what he says he'll do, then we don't have that relationship with God that we have to have. It says that without faith it is impossible to please God. For he that comes to God must believe that he is God. That he is the one, the only God. You know, there was been, back in, the, whenever Paul had to go to Athens, it says Paul was walking around through the city and then he saw all these gods that they was worshiping. And then he saw a sign. He said, and this is to the unknown God. Those people didn't want to leave out anybody. They said, if you're out there and we don't know you, we're going to, we're going to worship you too. No, we worship a known God, a loving God, a sincere God, a real God, a God that can do anything in your life that you need done. This is the God we serve. It says that God it says, he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him or those that search for him with their whole heart. You know, God told us, he said, when you search for me with all your heart, what? You will find me. When we search for him, when we want him, when we got that thirst, just as the Bible says, that deer that pants for water, that's how we should feel. That's how we should be searching for God. We should have such a thirst. You know, he was talking back in those desert days how hot and dry. It's like a deer had been chased by an enemy. 
a scavenger or something. But he was so hot and he was so pent for that water that when he came to that water, he had such a yearning for that water. That should be how we feel about God. We should have such a thirst and such a yearning for God that nothing's going to satisfy us until we find that God, until we find the God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, our God. That is who we need to search for. That is who we need to invite into our life. And it said, you know, with him, that without faith it's impossible to please God. But then we look down here in Mark 10, 27. It tells us something else. It says, and Jesus looking upon them, his disciples, they couldn't cast a demon out of a little boy. And they said, why could we not do this? And, and, and here uh, Jesus looking upon his disciples said, with men it is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. There is nothing that is impossible for God. The reason that these disciples couldn't cast out that demon, lack of faith. That's what he's telling them. Lack of faith. Nothing is impossible for God. When we have that faith in God, God opens up doors he makes a way where there is no way. He makes that way where we see there's no possible way for us to do anything. There's no possible way for us to be blessed. But when that faith is so strong in God, he opens up doors that nobody else can open. But he'll also close doors that we cannot open. God knows what we need in our life. And sometimes God closes doors. Why? Not to punish us, maybe to protect us. He don't want us to go through certain doors. So he closes those doors, and we can't open them for our own good because of God's love for us. There's two words in my message today that I think that we really have to believe and understand, and these two words are faith and belief. These two words are actually about the same, faith and belief. I looked up in Webster, and it said the definition of believe, which also applies to faith, according to Webster, is to have a firm or unwavering conviction about something, accept it as true, even if you don't see it yet. Even if you don't see it. But believing that you're going to see it, believing that God is going to provide it for you. Here in this next scripture... Hebrews 11.1. 1. And probably every one of you know what it is before I even say it. Faith is the substance or the fulfillment of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Even though you don't see it yet, you know that God's going to do it. That's faith. But even though you don't see it, you know that God is going to do it. And, then, and I just kind of on my own, I, I sat down here and I wrote something down underneath this that kind of explains it. Mom said, well, I don't really understand. That's not real clear. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, but the evidence of things not seen. What this is saying is, faith means being confident, you are confident in receiving what you have asked for and believing you will have it even though you don't see it because you've got faith in God. You know that God's going to do it. He's already said in his word. I will do it. 
Anything that God has promised us in His Word, He will fulfill. You can bank on it. You know, there's many times that I've, I've been praying about something. I'd go to a scripture. I said, Lord, in your word you have said, and I'll quote that scripture. Pray it. I said, God, you said that you will fulfill your word. Lord, I am believing you to fulfill your word. Sometimes that's what you have to do. Go back. And believe me, God doesn't get mad about this. Matter of fact, it makes him happy knowing that you're getting into his word. Lord, in reading your word and what you have said, this is what I'm asking you for, knowing ahead of time right now that you've already said that I will fulfill my word. I will do what I say I'll do. So, Lord, I'm believing you that you're going to fulfill this prayer. You're going to fulfill this need that I have. How many of you ever done that? Try it. You'll like it. Because God is faithful to what he says he will do. See, believing that you're going to receive what you've asked for before you even see it, that is what you call real faith. That is really believing. It's a belief that cannot be shaken. When you really believe what God has said, I don't care the devil can come against you. When he comes against you, you will not be shaken. You will not doubt even when that situation looks hopeless, you will not doubt. Many times in the hospital, I've heard that doctor come in and say, we've done all we can do. And I've just thought to myself, now God can do what he needs to. Y'all have messed it up enough, let God take over. And you know, these doctors, some of them, they think they are God. Oh, nothing can be done. There is no hope. And I, I didn't, you know, I, I wanted to say something to that doctor, but I didn't. But I knew there was a hope because I knew that that person he was talking to was a devout Christian that loved God and believed in God. And I've seen that patient, oh, there's no hope. Get up and walk out of that hospital. And I've seen them doctors and nurses shake their heads when God showed up on the scene. Juanita can tell you about a young man that got up and walked out of the hospital that they didn't think would get up and leave. She called me one time and asked me if I would, she said, that I was told you would go to the hospital and visit people. And I said, well, yes, I will. Well, she told me about this young man. I went and visited with him about two or three times. Next time I went, I asked about him. Oh, he's, he's gone. Well, the first thing that hit my mind was he died. You know, I said, I, I said no, that's faith, isn't it? And then, that, and then I guess she saw my face. She said, oh, no, no, he's not dead. He went home. But after prayer, tears, and the things that went on in that hospital room, God touched him. He got up. He walked out of that room. Never been back to it again. See, nothing is impossible for God. Nothing. He just wants our faith. He wants our belief. This young man, when we was talking, 
he just had tears just rolling down his cheeks. I don't know if he had never had an encounter, if he had never had anybody talk to him about God, explain to him about what God wants to do, how God wants to heal him. But he believed it. Therefore, he got up out of that hospital bed and he came home. He's never been back. See, God has a way of doing things that, that them doctors said, it's impossible. We've done all we can do. But then God showed up. And God took care of it from that point on. Never quit believing. Never quit having faith in God. You know, the starting point, there has to be a starting point for our faith. You have to start somewhere. And I think the first starting point is to accept the fact that God is who He says He is. God is who He said He is. He is the creator of all this. You know, if you turn to the book of Genesis and start to say, and God spoke it into existence. He simply spoke the word. And do y'all realize that's all God has to do today? Is simply speak the word. And that word is done. You know, right now, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, is sitting at the right hand of God in heaven, interceding for us. When our prayers go out, Jesus receives those prayers. And he presents them to God. Now, I want to ask you a question. Do you think after all that Jesus Christ went through, all of his suffering, all the humiliation, everything he went through to come to this earth to die for us and to forgive us of our sins, to shed his blood, to die to, and to rise again and then go back to God, can you imagine what Christ went through? They say, well, God probably just numbed everything. No, God did not numb anything. Christ went through it. He went through what we would have to go through if, if he hadn't done it. If we hadn't accepted him, he did. He went to the cross. It should have been us. Each one of us should have been in his place on that cross. But he said, wait, wait, wait a minute. He said, I'm going to go and I'm going to die for their sins. I'm going to take every wrong, every sin they've ever done upon myself. And when my blood is shed and they receive me as their Lord and Savior, that sin is going to be forgiven, it's going to be forgotten and gone and we'll never remember that sin again. He, he did, like that song, he paid a debt he did not owe because we owed a debt that we could not pay. He came and died for us because we couldn't do it. He was God. He was God in the flesh. He was God who came, stepped down out of a, a deity of heaven to come to this earth to take our place on a cross and die. That's love. What do you think that's what, 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 what God wrote, had Jesus say in John 3.16? For God loved the world, you're the world. For God loved the world 
So much that he gave his one, his only begotten son to die. And if you would believe that he died, that you should have eternal life. That's God's love. He put his son in your place. His son took on himself what we deserved. But the love was so strong. And God's love for us is, you can't even compare it to any other love. There is no love like God's love. I know that a mother loves a child, but God loves his child so much more than even that mother can. That's God's love. That's that's his caring. We have to accept the fact that God is who he says he is. He has done what he said he would do. We have to accept him as our God. And then we have to have that unwavering conviction in our heart that he is rewarder, like we say, of those who diligently seek him and search for him. We have to have that unshakable belief in the word of God as being the word of God. Infallible and undeniable. God is a God that cannot lie. Whenever God's word came out, many people say, well, yeah, but that word was written by men. Well, yes, it was. But there's a difference. God's precious spirit come up on the writers of the Bible and told them what to write. This is not what they would have actually said, but this is what the spirit is telling them. This is what God wants you to write. And you know, they listened to that spirit and they wrote down what that spirit said. God wanted his word to be accurate, wanted it to be true, He wants you to get it down into your heart and into your spirit that when I tell you something, believe it. Because I cannot lie. Do y'all realize if God was to lie to you, God would sin? Lying is a sin. It says that God cannot sin. So, therefore, God cannot lie. What he says is the truth. And it will happen, just as he said it would. So knowing that when you have to get into a relationship with God, a close relationship, I don't mean, well, yeah, I've heard about God. No, it's not hearing about God. It is knowing in your heart about God and who God is and his love. That's where your faith comes from is knowing God. Not just knowing about him or I've heard this about him, but it's, in an encounter with God. And I know there's people in here, you have had an encounter with God. I've seen it. God has showed up in your hospital room when the doctors were just shaking their heads. And we need to remember what God did. Remember how much he loved you. Remember what those doctors said. Remember, there is no hope, isn't there, right, Walter? Yeah, them doctors didn't think Walter was going to walk out of that hospital with that stroke he had. How long was you in there? Two months. months, And they thought he'd never come out. But I was there just about every day with Walter. 
praying, believing. Walter was full of faith. Walter believed. One day, Walter says, see y'all later, and walks out of the hospital. So, you know, God is a God of his word. It's what he says. Count on, believe what God says. You say, you said that, that uh, God cannot lie. Well, according to scriptures, even the scriptures say that. Look at Hebrews 6.18. I'm not going to look at the whole thing, but here it says, if y'all read it up there, it is impossible for God to lie. I'm just kind of shortening it. But it is impossible for God to lie. Because if he did, he would sin. And God cannot sin. I got another scripture here. This, this is New Testament. I got a scripture out of the Old Testament that says God cannot lie. In Numbers 23:19, it says, God is not a man that he should lie. Neither the son of man that he should repent. He has, has he not said, and shall he not do it? Whatever he said, he says, he will do it. Or has he spoken, and shall not make it good? Or has he made a promise, if he has, he will make it good? That's Old Testament. The first one was New Testament. God cannot lie. Is Scripture in the Old Testament backing up Scripture in the New Testament? When you find two of these Scriptures that back each other up, just believe it. I'll put it on. Just believe it and don't doubt it. God is trying to make a point to you. I said it twice, sometimes three times, four times. You'll find a number of Scriptures that God has spoken. You know, people say, well, you shouldn't preach out of the Old Testament. Do you all realize... That when Jesus walked this earth in the New Testament, how many times he quoted the Old Testament? The Old Testament was just showing us the things to come. And one of them was Jesus Christ to come and take care of what God already said back in the Old Testament. It's all God's Word. It's Scripture, most of the time backing up Scripture. It's the New Testament confirming what the Old Testament said. <clears throat> you know, I, I, I know that a lot of times it's, it's saying, why is it so important to talk about faith and belief? Because we have to know. There are many Christians who do who does not know what real faith is. They call themselves Christians, but they do not know what real faith is or how to claim the promises of God. And therefore, they are living in a bondage. They're still living in a bondage of things they don't have to live in because they have not went to God and got out of it. They have not trusted in God. They have not trusted in Christ, really, to remove that bondage from their life. They're still living in a bondage. And they wonder, why is all this stuff happening? Because you haven't believed and you haven't trusted in God's Word. You're still, you're still living in your flesh. 
You're still in your flesh. You're still believing your fleshly ways and your fleshly things instead of the spiritual things that God wants you to believe. You know, it's only faith that God works in us. It's our faith that, 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 where God does things in our life. He sees our faith and therefore He answers our prayers. Ephesians 2a says, It is by faith and grace that we are saved. It's our faith in Him and God's grace. We should just fall on our knees every day and thank God for His grace. The things that He has forgiven us for. If somebody had done to us what we have done to God, we would have a real rough time forgiving them. But God says, if you'll come to me, confess it, believe it, I'll forgive it. And I'll never remember it anymore against you. It's gone. It's through. It's over. It's out of here. You don't have to worry about it anymore. And anybody that's making a claim that it's all them, God had nothing to do with how I'm with my life. I'm serving God, and look at all that I've done. You're trying to take credit for God's grace. It is not by works. Anything you've done that you're saved. It's by your faith in God and His grace that you're saved. You can't save yourself. I'm sorry. If you're trying to save yourself, you're going to hell. I mean, I don't know where he put it. You can't save yourself. You're not that powerful. You're not that strong. Only God's grace can save you. It is by faith that things happen in the life of the child of God. God's blessings come from our faith. And none of God's promises will ever take place until we acknowledge who He is, that He is God, and there is no other God other than Him, and He backs up His Word. He backs up what He has said. Do you have faith to believe in God do you have faith to believe that God is God? You know, if we'll just think about it, God is God. He always has been. He is right now. and He will always be for all eternity. God is always going to be God. He will never quit being God. If we really want to please God, I think our position should be God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. God said it, I believe it, that settles it. I don't have to go no further. I refuse to doubt the Word of God. Sometimes you have to get in the devil's face. I refuse, Satan, to doubt the Word of my God. He is my God. I serve Him. I have submitted myself unto Him. And therefore His Word says, if I will submit unto you and I tell you to leave, you have to flee. You have to leave. Well, Bill, where do you see that? I find that in the book of James. Sometimes you have to get in the devil's face. You know, 
I got a couple of little things here that I'm going to be through. But, you know, sometimes when we have a desperate need, it's going to take a desperate faith to meet that need. Anybody in here ever had that point where you had that desperate need? And God said, how desperate is your faith? How can you believe? Can you believe? There's a story or scripture in the book of Mark, chapter 2, about a man that was paralyzed and he had four friends. They knew Jesus was at a house preaching and teaching. They said, if we can take our friend to Jesus, Jesus will heal him. They got their friend, put him on his bed, which was really just a more or less a mat. They, had, they each got on a corner and carried him like a stretcher. They got to this house. There were so many people there that they could not even get in. They couldn't get close to Jesus. Most of us would have said, well, it's just so crowded, I guess we'll just have to try to come back later. No, they had a desperate faith. They loved their friend. They said, we're going to get our friend to Jesus. What did they do? They got up on the roof took the tiling off the roof, then lowered their friend down on his bed in front of Jesus. It had been so much easier just to say, well, we'll see if we can find Jesus some other time. No. They had a desperate need, and their faith was desperate. We're going to get our friend before Jesus, whatever we have to do. And the Bible says, and when Jesus saw their faith, when he saw their faith, the man was healed. But boy, you talk about a blessing. The man got two healings. And they were just trying to get one. Jesus looked at that man and his faith. He said, Son, your sins are forgiven. And then he told the man to get up and walk that you've been healed. That man got the gift of salvation and he got the gift of healing. That's how generous God is. He only come for one, one healing. But he got something extra. He got salvation. He got forgiveness of his sins. He got forgiveness of his sins. Jesus did it that day and he's still doing it today. He's still doing it today. This paralyzed man, like I said, received a double healing. He came in on a mat, but when he left, he picked up his bed and he carried it home instead of coming in on it. They had to bring him in and carry him in, but when Jesus healed him, he rolled that mat up, put it under his arm, he went back home, walking, healed. A desperate need sometimes requires a desperate faith, a faith where you don't give up. You do what you've got to do to get to Jesus. This man had a faith that did not doubt. I'm about to through. There's one other scripture, or another, one other story. Y'all remember the Syrophoenician woman that came to Jesus? Her daughter had a demon, and she wanted Jesus to heal it. I'm going to read you this scripture. You know, it sounds like Jesus is being pretty cruel. But when that woman left, she got what she needed. In Mark 7, 25 through 30, 
It says, For a certain woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit heard of Jesus, and came and fell at his feet. And she besought him that he would send forth the devil out of her daughter. He would cast that demon out of her daughter. But Jesus said to her, Let the children, or the Jews, be filled first. For it is not right... He says in the Bible, it says in, in the King James, meat. It is not meat, which means right, to take the children's bread or to take the children's blessings and cast them unto the dogs. The Gentiles were called dogs. The Syrophoenician woman was considered a Gentile. We do not take the children's bread or their blessings and give it to a Gentile. Now that would have made me plumb mad. I probably got up and stormed out. That's me, though. But this woman, she looked at Jesus, and she said, Yes, Lord, but the dogs under the table eat of the children's crumbs. What was she saying? Yes, Lord, but I will take the blessings, your blessings, that your children did not want. They were rejecting Jesus when she said that. Listen to what Jesus said. And he said unto her, For this saying, or for your faith, go your way, the devil is gone out of your daughter. And when she was come to her house, she found the devil gone out of her daughter that laid upon the bed. Jesus was saying, I came to the Jews first. So I have to, I have to give them the blessings first. This Syrophoenician woman, he says, we do not cast it to the Gentiles, which that's what she was considered, a Gentile. But then she's sitting there. And it's just like she's saying, yes, Lord, but even the little dogs will eat the crumbs that the children did not want. She says, I, in other words, I'll be glad to receive your blessings that your children have refused. Jesus saw her faith. He marveled at that faith. He said, go. Go back to your house. Your daughter has been healed. She had a desperate faith. She would not give up. Most people, after what Jesus had said, would have just start, turned around stormed and left the place. She said, no. My need is too great and my faith is strong. That's what Jesus needed. And he met her needs by her faith. He meets our needs by our faith. What kind of faith do you have? God has not changed. He is still doing what we think is impossible. What you think is impossible, God is still doing. You know, the Bible is filled with a number of examples of desperate people coming with a desperate faith. And every single one of them got their needs met. Every single one of them. Matter of fact, as I was reading there, it, it had a little point there that I liked. It said, and none of these people were disappointed at the end of their journey when they came into the presence of Jesus. Not a single person was disappointed because God met their need. He's ready to meet your need today. What kind of needs do you have today? 
Have you been seeking Jesus for something? A healing? Have you got a sin that you just can't seem to get rid of? Jesus wants to take that sin. He wants to get rid of it. He don't want you in sin. If you're seeking Jesus and you have a need to be met, come today with unwavering or undoubting faith and see what Jesus will do for you. I have all the faith in the world that Jesus will heal whatever you need taken care of. He will meet your need today. But here in James, listen to it. I said it last Sunday, but this is so important. We all need to hear it. We need to get it down into our spirit. In James chapter 1, verse 6 through 7. But let him ask in faith. When you come to Jesus, sincerely come to him and ask in faith with nothing wavering or no doubts. For he that doubts is like the wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. You're unstable. You're unstable in your walk with Jesus. You're unstable in your faith. You're unstable about what you believe. There's days you want to believe, then there's days, oh, he'll never do it. No, it's always. God is God, and he's still doing the impossible. For let that man not think that he shall receive anything of the Lord if he doubts him. He wants our faith. And when he sees that faith, he'll meet your need. If you're here today and you've got a need, God wants to meet it. I'm going to, come, I'm going to ask the band to come up. I'm going to come down front. If, you, if you've got a need, I'd like to pray over you, anoint you with oil. And then that, right after that, we're going to take communion. But if you're here today, I hope you came with an anticipation of God's going to do what I need done today. Come believing that God is going to meet your need. Come believing. Come expecting God to do something. Many people come, well, I know he won't do nothing. Not with that kind of faith he won't. But if you come and you say, today is the day and I know that God is going to meet my need, I'm coming to him. I'm not going to doubt him. I'm going to believe with all my heart. And I know that God is going to meet my need. Now see, that's what God wants to hear. Well, maybe will, maybe won't. I don't know what kind of mood God's in today. God's always in a good mood. If you're in a good mood, if you're not doubting him, if you're believing him, Get ready because God is going to work miracles.